This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Well, news just in. Jobs, cost of living as well as political diversity weighed heavily on Singaporeans' minds in GE 2020. These are among key findings of the survey by the Institute of Policy Studies. The think tank also found that across all age groups, there was a fall in the proportion of people who thought the People's Action Party was credible, while the opposite was true for the Workers' Party. Overall, the proportion of respondents who saw PAP as credible fell from 93% in 2015 to 86% in 2020. And compared with 2015, the proportion of those categorised as politically conservative shrank by more than half. Well, we'll delve deeper into this with our guests in a few moments. But just so you know, people in the conservative category are defined in the survey as those who disagree with the need for change in the electoral system, checks and balances or different voices in parliament. There are two other categories, the swing and pluralist. Those in the swing category are defined as being mixed in their views. And pl pluralists desire more political diversity. Lots to digest, so we are very pleased to welcome two members of the research team, Dr. Julian Koh, who is Deputy Director of Research and Senior Research Fellow at the Institute of Policy Studies. Dr. Teo K. Key joins us as well. She's a postdoctoral fellow at the IPS Social Lab. As you both know, respondents cited the need for good and efficient government as the top priority on a list of 15 issues. A new item on this year's list was the government's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. Almost 9 out of 10 voters surveyed said it was important or very important. So what does this mean in terms of Singaporeans' expectations of the government and possible implications on how they vote in the next GE? Dr. Ko, let's start off this discussion with you. Well, I think uh, what we did was to pair that with uh, the issue of job situation and cost of living. So we see that there is a group of respondents to our survey, which is indicative of the citizen population uh, that are concerned about the bread and butter issues, uh, their livelihoods, in addition to what COVID meant to uh, their lives, disease and health. So I think that's one key issue uh, that was a driver to um, sentiment during the election and certainly its outcome. Right. Well, three major issues that saw the sharpest spike in very important ratings compared with 2015 were the job situation, cost of living and the need for different views in Parliament. Jobs and cost of living were a focus of those aged 30 to 54 in low to middle income households, while having greater political diversity appealed more to younger voters aged 21 to 29 holding PMET jobs. Uh, Dr. Teo, let's bring you into this. Uh, to what extent did the COVID-19 pandemic influence these priorities? Uh, I think we can see that for particularly the cost of living and job situation, at the time of the elections, that was one of the key issues that uh, pe either people brought up or the uh, parties themselves brought up. Mm -hmm. So it is not very um, surprising for us to see that these two issues came up tops. Um, we also have to note that actually co uh, cost of living has been uh, one of the top issues since uh, we started the survey series. So it has always been something that uh, people are concerned about. Um, probably the pandemic did bring up uh, more uh, concerns about this because we started seeing uh, implications on the economy. We had uh, 
the circuit breaker before the elections and people started getting a little more worried. So um, those uh, issues came up as more uh, uh, of a priority for these people. Um, in terms of political pluralism, we also see that, you know, um, maybe people started thinking that, well, uh, policies perhaps could um, benefit from, from more uh, views or alternative uh, opinions, uh, whether outside or within parliament. So that might have also been uh, one of the drivers uh, based on uh, the pandemic. Well, Dr. Ko, how did these concerns affect the results of GE 2020? And moving forward, what are the future implications for political parties? Well, I think that uh, as Dr. Teo just explained, there are two drivers. So the bread and butter issues, and now we have a clear idea of which segment in particular was concerned about that. Uh, uh, we're looking at post uh, people with just post-secondary education and those in low to low middle household income categories. But uh, we see that the other driver is uh, a desire for political competition, a desire for the opposition to be in existence, uh, to add to the role that the PAP plays as the government. And uh, in that case, we see that it is the younger voters, those in the 21 to 29 age band, and also those in the higher professional class, those in the PMET class, that uh, consistently uh, respond to our waves of survey indicating that they value uh, political pluralism. So what are the implications? First, given that the set of issues that matter to Singaporeans, a really efficient government, uh, cost of living, the job situation, the handling of COVID-19, then certainly for a particular segment, especially uh, the segments that probably feel that they are uh, ill-equipped for uh, you know the uh, the economy and mm. jobs of the future, then uh, there has to be a dumping down of the efforts to uh, help them uh, assuage their concerns about job and income insecurity. But also, uh, you know, there, there's no shortage of good ideas and in fact measures introduced by the PAP. So what more can the opposition parties offer in that respect? Uh, but secondly, um, the role of opposition parties is not just here to stay, but will increase because we see the clear trend that is uh, the younger voters, but also the voters within the higher socioeconomic classes are always the ones with a higher proportion of those we call pluralists. So in other words, the opposition is safe in knowing that uh, there's always some demand for them, but what would make the difference among the wide range of opposition parties there are? So in terms of the general election outcome, where there, uh, we've seen that there are no three-cornered fights, which means mm. that there will always be some room for an opposition party if it's just a straight fight between the PAP. But what more can the opposition parties do to uh, uh, appeal and therefore respond to that desire for political competition? In which case, read the data with regard to uh, characteristics of candidates that people are looking for and all the other issues. Right. Adding to what you've just said, uh, doctors, and of course, there's another aspect of the uh, survey as well. There was a decline in the proportion of uh, respondents who thought the PAP was credible, while the opposite was true for the Workers' Party. That's right. In fact, both ends of the socio-economic spectrum found WP credible from highest occup occupation class of service to those in the lowest housing category. So, Dr. Teo, what are the factors that could have contributed to this shift? Um, for 
these shifts, I think they are probably also the drivers that we mentioned just now um, for job situation as well as uh, the demand for political pluralism. Mm -hmm. So uh, it is likely because when we look at the breakdowns of uh, which demographic groups are more concerned about these issues, we see that um, those who are from the lower uh, socioeconomic uh, groups were more concerned about cost of living and job situation. And these were also the groups that actually had uh, slight increases in the proportions that rated the WP as credible. But we do have to note that actually for these groups, right, they started with a lower proportion. So uh, there is more room for them to increase in proportion, especially when we look at the general trend this year, uh, where there, were more there was more support for uh, opposition parties in general. Um, in terms of political pluralism, I think um, that also uh, um, was a key factor for helping uh, mm. the WP. Uh, well, also because they did run a very good campaign and they did have uh, candidates that uh, showed themselves well, um, whether during the debates or as um, their profiles and what they have done. Uh, so. That might have also contributed to people who are looking for political pluralism and want um, a party that can actually uh, deliver what they want in parliament. So perhaps these uh, factors contributed to uh, their uh, particular rise in credibility ratings. Right. Uh, Dr. Ko, your thoughts, uh, what are the electoral implications uh, for the PAP and opposition parties going forward? Well, I think uh, for the PAP, Minister Lawrence Wong had given his analysis and our results uh, do uh, jive well, uh, do resonate with what he has said. Um, so he, as the spokesman for the PAP, recognised that, uh, that there is anyway a consistent trend among Singaporeans to want the voice of the opposition. So you've seen the PAP government designate the leader of the Workers' Party, Putin Singh, uh, as uh, somebody who would symbolize uh, and also lead the opposition voice in parliament. So I think uh, there's the recognition of the PAP that, uh, you know, the opposition's here to stay. Mm. And uh, that, that means that there will be need not just for the PAP to uh, be able to engage uh, a broad diversity of Singaporeans in trying to understand their voice, understand their concerns, and what is it about the diversity of views that they are trying to, uh, um, you know, express or uh, want to be seen expressed in Parliament. Uh, but on the other hand, the opposition parties recognising that, uh, you know, our data says efficient government matters, uh, you know, um, uh, the issue of job situation matters. Um, there is that demographic of those who are somewhere in the low income and uh, post-secondary education groups that are um, uh, you know, insecure with regard to um, life, then I think they've also got to come up with uh, those diverse views and good ideas. And I think that is uh, why the PAP has itself uh, said to the leader of the opposition that he very much, uh, that they very much hope he will um, put together the, the, the opposition set of good policy ideas to help Singapore, Singaporeans in general. Right. 
Well, another finding from the IPS survey, compared with 2015, the proportion of those categorized as conservative shrank by more than half from 44.3% to 18.5%. Conservatives are defined in the survey as those who disagree with the need for change in the electoral system, checks and balances or different voices in parliament. Conversely, pluralists agree there is need for change in the electoral system, checks and balances, and different voices in parliament. And the proportion in that category rose from 18% in the 2015 survey to 22.4%. Those in the swing category with an eclectic mix of views rose sharply by more than 20 percentage points to 59.2%. So we're seeing a drop in the number of conservatives, a sharp rise in pluralists, and a huge shift towards the swing, the swing category. So Dr. Teo, what do you think uh, are the reasons behind these changes? Um, well, we see the drop in conservative numbers, uh, first of all. It's uh, likely also a result of uh, the times, the current times, because if we look uh, when compared to 2015, the proportion of uh, conservatives actually uh, was much larger. Mm -hmm. So um, if during that election, we saw that um, there was a great support for the uh, incumbent government where the PAP actually won much uh, larger proportion of votes. So uh, this um, also probably indicates that um, more people find that they do want uh, slight changes in the status quo, not the same as before, um, which therefore contributes to the larger group of people who are in the swing category. So the swing group um, actually means that they perhaps want some checks and balances, but they maybe think that the, the electoral system can um, remain or vice versa. So uh, these uh, wide range of uh, combinations, actually we all classify them as swing voters. So um, looking at the large proportion this year in the swing category, um, it is likely that these people have um, different opinions about the uh, different aspects of the electoral system and they probably want to see some uh, change but not too much because uh, there is always a more uh, higher priority for efficient government and also to uh, be able to deliver on various uh, of the top issues that we have found in this survey. So that is probably why we have a larger group in the swing rather than all shifting towards the pluralist category. Now, great points uh, so far. So Dr. Ko, just to round up our discussion for today, anything that you'd like to add on? Well, I would just like to reinforce the point that uh, the category of swing voters uh, does uh, uh, kind of value efficient government very highly. In fact, even higher than those in the conservative uh, category and the pluralist category. So they're a mixed bag, as uh, my colleague has said, of those who want efficient government, but probably feel that more checks and balances and diversity of views will reinforce the possibility of having more efficient government in Singapore. And the second one to do with the electoral strategy, as you had asked just now, Priyanto. Actually, we do have a, a set of questions about media use. And there you see that the use of the internet has popped up. And I think that whichever party or the parties that have a good uh, strategy in terms of outreach online is, is going to make an impact uh, for particular groups, those in the younger category and those in the service class. 
uh, bear in mind that these are all groups that uh, not just refer to the internet, but they refer to a whole range of media. And uh, so, um, you know, certainly one uh, flank in terms of the electoral strategy has to do with putting out effective engagement mm. strategies online uh, in order to uh, uh, win some bandwidth among the uh, voters in the next election. All right, definitely points to ponder. Well, thank you so much, uh, Doctors Ko and Teo, for setting aside time to speak with us uh, and for sharing more on the findings of the survey. Now, we've been speaking to Dr. Gillian Ko, Deputy Director of Research and Senior Research Fellow at the Institute of Policy Studies, as well as Dr. Teo K. Ki, a postdoctoral fellow at the IPS Social Lab. You can, of course, read all about the findings from the IPS's post election survey at straightstimes.com. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.